We are about to begin Sefer Yirmiyahu, Perik Aleph, Pasuk Aleph, Divrei Yirmiyahu, Ben Chilkiyahu. So we will see that the biographical details and the context in which Yirmiyahu is prophesying is going to emerge directly from the text itself. So we need not delay and we can go right into the text, but two things we should establish first. One, we know that Yeshayahu era of prophecy is expanded is 86 years. Yirmiyahu's is 40. Yeshayahu is 130 years before the Hurban Habayis. The figures weren't born yet, the main characters. Some of the nations aren't even a blip on the radar of history. But Yeshayahu is telling you this can be averted. The disasters I am talking about can be averted if you do a national and personal tshuva, you renounce the idols and the Avodah Zorah, you go to the base Hamikdash sincerely, we can avert as a nation this disaster that I am prophesying about 130 years hence. No such a context for Yirmiyahu. Yirmiyahu is there at the scene of the destruction. He is, if you'll excuse the expression, an on-the-spot reporter. Moreover, Yirmiyahu says the destruction is irrevocable. There's nothing you can do to avoid it. The only thing we can do is manage the destruction and perhaps work on the rebuilding that can inevitably follow, to not to lose faith that it will follow, but to avert it, not a chance. So bear those facts in mind. Yeshayahu, 130 years before, possibility of aversion of the disaster. Yirmiyahu, it is inevitable. The decision's irrevocable. The best you can hope for is a managed destruction that you will emerge from so, eventually. Hilly, Yeshayahu talked about the inevitability of, of redemption. That whether we deserved it or not, it would come. Right. Is Yirmiyahu going to, is he, not, is he not going to talk about that, or is that just a different aspect of his It's prophecy? a different aspect, because he's Shayol, and that is a medrash that says that if you earn it, it'll come. If you don't earn it, the Kaddish Baruch has in his mind, Kaviyachol, a fixed time where he will redeem you anyway. Obviously, it isn't here yet. So, but the importance of thing is that Yeshayahu is sort of a prophesying, an analysis of the future. Yermiyahu says the future is here and it's not good. So, we begin. Pasuk Aleph, Divrei Yermiyahu ben Chilkiyahu min ha-kohanim asher ba'anosot be'eretz binyamin. So these are the words of Yermiyahu ben Chilkiyahu. We'll get back to Chilkiyahu. So we see right away, Yermiyahu was a Kohen. 
Asher Ba'anatot, Be'eres Binyamin, Anatot is a ir Kohanim, a city of Kohanim, a suburb of Yerushalayim. Yermio, the Medrash tells us, never practiced kahuna, like he didn't do the daily avoda, etc., but he was of a Kohanic lineage, and it was a very strong Kohanic lineage. Ben Chilkiyahu. Chilkiyahu was the Kohen Gadol. You will recall that we have met him in Malachim Bey's Perekhaf Aleph, that in Yoshiyahu's time, and we're going to see Yoshiyahu is the only bright spot in Yermiyahu's 40 years of prophecy, they decide to refurbish the Beis HaMikdash, and in restoring and restructuring, Chilkiyahu comes upon a Sefer Torah that was hidden away. No one knew about it. Some say the Medrash said it was Moshe Rabbeinu's own Torah that he had written. In any event, the discovery of that Torah triggers a national tshuva movement, all because of Chilkiyahu's discovery. So Chilkiyahu gives him a very strong stature in terms of his yichus, but it goes beyond that. Mephoshim tell us Yirmiyahu is a descendant, a direct descendant of Itamar, the fourth son of Aaron, he is a descendant of Eli HaKohen, of um, Elimelech HaKohen, and so his yichis is unquestionable, Yirmiyahu. Um, and as we say, he comes from very good stock, except the Medrash tells us he is also a descendant of Rachav Hazona. Rachav was the woman who hid the two spies of Yehoshua and is later saved because of her efforts. And that is only relevant here because we're going to see that people will later taunt Yermio, and he was probably the most taunted, abused Navi in the entire uh, Sifre Nevoah, but they taunt him that how dare this man come to prophesy about our morality when he is the descendant of Rachav. Moreover, so now um, we have seen, we have established his biographical lineage. Asher hayadvar Hashem elok b'mei Yoshiyahu ben Amon melech Yehuda b'shloshesh reishana l'mocho. These, these words came to him, the words of the Kaddish Baruch Hu, in the days of Yoshiyahu. Yoshiyahu, as we say, was the last bright spot in Yehuda. Uh, as we say, he triggered a tshuva movement. Wasn't long, but it was a tshuva movement. Ben Amon, he is the son of Amon, which is fascinating. Amon is the son of Menashe. So Menashe was his grandfather. Amon was his father. And you could not choose the two worst kings in Judea that were more evil, more mendacious than those two, Menashe and Amon as we have learned. And this comes in the 13th year of Yoshiyahu, in the 13th year of his reign. It is amazing that Yoshiyahu can descend, that's the beauty of it, from someone like Menashe and Amon and be a tzaddik. <coughs> Moreover, <coughs> excuse me, his Nevius continues, Vayihi bimei Yehoyakim ben Yoshiyahu, 
Yoyakim Yoshio's son, who was really a non-entity, <coughs> Melech Yehuda, the king of Judea, Ad Tom Ashte Esrei Shano Letzipio Ben Yoshio, he prophesies until the 23rd year of the reign of Sikio, Ben Yoshio, that is um, Yoshio's son is Sikio, Melech Yehuda, Ad Delos Yerushalayim B'chodesh HaChamishi, until the exile from Yerushalayim in the fifth month, which is Chodesh Of. Notice that the kings that come after Sikio, uh, Yehoyochim, Yehoyochim, uh, are not even mentioned. They're, the Mephorshim say they're not worth the mention. They reign for a very short time, and they are really mediocre non-entities. Continues. By Yehidavar Hashem Eli Lemor, and the Kaddish who comes in a very famous sentence, B'terem etzarcha babeten yedaticha, Ubeterem tesemi rechem hikdashicha, navi la goyim nesaticha. Before I created you in the womb, I knew you. Ubeterem tesemi rechem, and before you came out of your mother's womb, hikdashicha, I sanctified you. Navi la goyim nesaticha, I gave you as a navi both to Israel and to the nations, and we're going to see a lot of his nebuos are directed at the Umosa Olam. So this is strange. In other words, I sanctified you in the womb. Rambam, by the way, says in Hilchos Yesodei HaTorah, a Navi isn't sanctified in the womb. A Navi has to go through hachana, preparation, learning, has to be chosen, has to go through a period of apprenticeship, how could this happen here? And Rambam answers his own question. There's certain cases where a matana, a gift, is given by the Kodesh Baruch Hu to his special individuals, as here, where he does not have to go through that hachana and through that apprenticeship. He just is selected as Yermiol was in the womb of his mother. But Omer Atad Daniel Hinei Lo Yidati Taber Kinar Anochi. So let me ask you a question, Hilly. Maybe a question for greater rabbis, <laughs> but why just one person? Why not sanctify a hundred or a thousand to, to send the message? Why, why one person just to be abused and not listened to and mocked? Probably it was the times, because we know that even in Yeshayahu there were other Nevi'im. By the way, in Yeshayahu there was one other Nabi as well. But yeah, it could be the times are so bleak. And the times are so that there's only one person who can do it, that the Kodesh Baruch and it's Yermio. And Yermio doesn't want to go. Um, he says, I don't know, I can't speak, I have no communication skills. I'm a nar, which usually means 13 or under. We see immediately the contrast with Yeshayahu when the Kaddish Baruch Hu says, Mi who can I send? And Yeshayahu says, Hineni, I am here, Shlachani, send me. He leaped at it. Yermiyahu, like Moshe Rabbeinu, and we're going to see similarities, wants no part of it. Nar could mean, yes, he's a chronological Nar, but it's doubtful. Nar also means almost a job description. He is like a Meshores. We know that Yoshua is called a Nar, and he's 55 years old when he crosses the Yardin. So it could be either one. 
Vayomer Hashem Elai Nechadosh Baruch Hu says to Yemiel, Al Tomar Nara Nochi, don't give me that argument, you're just a Nar. Ki al kol asher ashlachecha teilech, ves kol asher atzavcha tidaber. Everything I send you to, you will go, and everything I speak to you and command you to speak, you will, in fact, speak. Continues the Navi, the Kodesh Baruch says, don't be frightened of them. Because I am here with you to save you, Neum Hashem, says the Kodesh Baruch I am here to save you, your life. There's no guarantee that you will not be harmed, that you will not be abused, you will not be vilified, and that, in fact, was Yermio's fate. But he's guaranteeing that at least he will survive it physically. Vayishlach Hashem es yodo, and now the Kaddish Baruch Hu extends his hand, Vayiga alpi, he puts it on my mouth, Vayomer Hashem elai, hinei nasati dvorai b'ficha, I have implanted my words in your mouth, you don't have to worry, I will dictate to you what to say. I have chosen you today to be a prophet on the Goyim, the nations, the kingdom of Israel, these are four sort of synonyms, adjectives that imply destruction, to tear down, to break, to level, to destroy, and livnos ulintoa. But two positive adjectives to build and to replant. And so what he's saying is that we have to destroy first before we're going to rebuild and replant. And that is one of the messages, key messages of Yermio. Now the Kaddish Baruch Hu is going to give him a visual, a, a parable as it were. What do you see? I see a staff, a rod of almonds. It's a comment that's been used before. We saw with Aaron. You have seen well. Play on words. Shokate means almonds, and shokate means hasten because I am going to hasten what I am telling you to do it. The destruction is imminent. It's also, say the Mephorshim, so metaphorical because nothing grows as fast as almonds. It has a 21-day growth period from initial to blossoming, and it doesn't take a mathematician to realize there are three weeks, 21 days, between Shirasa Batamas and Tishabab, where from the, the first uh, breach in the wall of Yerushalayim to its destruction took only 21 days, the growth of an almond. And that's what the Kaddish Baruch Hu is saying. Also, you could say there's nothing as bitter initially as almonds. In fact, they can't be used for truma until they are sweetened. Then there's nothing as sweet as the almond. So yes, there will be bitterness, but then it will be followed by sweetness, by tranquility. Now, a second audio-visual. What do you see? The Omer Sir a boiling, bubbling pot. And its spout is facing north. North is theoretically the direction of Bavel. Although, strictly speaking, Bavel is east 
of Judea, not north, but the attack will come from the north. It's interesting to point out at this time yet, Babel is still a speck on the historical radar. In fact, Babel is united with B'nai Israel in battling Ashur. So we see that there is, you know, still some time. From the north will burst all the evil and destruction. I am calling all the kingdoms of the north, Bavel and its allies. No, Hashem says Hashem. Uval v'nasnu. What they will do is bring their thrones right to the gates of Yerushalayim. Ish kiso pesach shara Yerushalayim v'al kolchom on its walls so that they will surround it v'al kol Yehuda all the mountains of Judea. It's an interesting metaphor because when kings go out to battle they do not necessarily take their thrones with them. They leave them behind and nor do they sit around the walls of Yerushalayim. But the Mephoshim is saying so intense will be the focus of the destruction of Judea that they're going to bring their thrones to the gates to wait it out. There's nothing else on their agenda. And I will speak to Israel about all the evil they have done that they have left me. They have sacrificed to other gods. They have bowed to the handicraft of their own hands, specifically the idols, Yavodah Zorah, etc. Hilly, why would why would Hashem refer to other gods when there there is no other gods? They're just false. They're they're there are. There are totems, things that people attribute as gods. Oh, all right. So, but it's in their mind. It did. It started out. It's, it's a representation of the Kaddish Rahu. It now is gravitated. They worship the god as a separate entity. So he's not acknowledging that, yes, there are other gods. He's saying, you have crafted with your hands, your tools, other gods. It's, it's in derision. And we've had that metaphor before. Now, a military metaphor. Speaking to your Mio, gird your loins Everything I tell you, I command you, you speak to them. Do not fear before them, because if you do, you will fall before them. So don't give an inch, don't tremble before them. So I've made you, Yermio, like a fortified city, a pillar of steel, walls of copper, against all the kings of Judea, the Sarel, its officers, the Kohaneha, Ulam Laaretz, to the Kohanim, and to the multitudes, all lumped together. Yes, they're going to fight you. They will not be able to surmount you. I am with you, Noam Hashem, to save you. We will begin the first Nebuah Yermio actually offers 8.45 a.m. tomorrow. Ad Khan.